Pastor Ed Taylor says, make your choices wisely. Sometimes in life, friends, it's not a win-win. Sometimes in life, you need to take a stand for righteousness no matter the consequences. You need to learn that truth is more important than compromise. And our choices are so vital in this area. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You You know, we make choices every day. Some of them aren't such a big deal, like what we're going to wear for the day or what we're going to eat. But there are also critically important decisions, like whether we're going to follow God or not. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll be encouraged to make our choices wisely and allow God to lead us in our choices. We'll be in John chapter 19 for the most part. Here is Pastor Ed Taylor. Chapter 19, John chapter 19 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Make Your Choices Wisely. Because throughout the Bible, we learn how God lays before us choices. He lays before us whether to go to the left or to the right. And life, or really the life that we live, is the substance of the decisions that we've made along the way. And you think of how God lays some very significant choices between you and me. For example, Jesus, he writes in Matthew's gospel, he tells us that there's a choice between the narrow gate and the wide gate. Let me read it to you in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Another choice that we see in the Scriptures is this choice of whether you choose to follow God or not follow God. We see that really well described from the mouth of Joshua way back in the Old Testament when he was leading the nation into conquering the Promised Land. And toward the end of the book of Joshua, he's recorded as saying this in Joshua 24, 15. He tells the nation, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then Joshua says this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now some of you here today, that's just the decision you need to make. Which direction will you go? And will you fall on that side of Joshua? As for me and my house, my responsibility we're going to serve the Lord. I think of, and we're really, we're getting up here in, on our Wednesday night Bible study into the life of Elijah pretty soon, one of the most fascinating men in all the scriptures. Uh, when we get there soon enough, we will come to the time when he was up on Mount Carmel and he was declaring the goodness of God to the prophets of Baal and challenging them. And this is what he said to those that were there listening, the choice between two opinions, where it says in 1 Kings 18 verse 21, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. 
But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. If you look for this throughout the Bible, you'll see choices. There's always a choice. God has given us the ability to make choices and how careful we need to be in how we make our choices. That when we're making a choice, whatever it might be, it is toward God and not away from God. And he wants to lead us in our choices. Now, last time in our study in chapter 18, I want to bring you back to verse 39. The people made their choice. The people made their choice. Notice in verse 39 of John 18. Pilate comes out and he says, You guys have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And then they cried out again, saying, Not this man, referring to Jesus, but release to us Barabbas, this vicious murderer. And Barabbas, it says, was a robber, and we learned far more than just a robber. He was an insurrectionist. He was a murderer. And the people made their choice. The people made their choice, and God is giving them their choice. This is where they're at. It's a sad day indeed, and yet it's all a part of God's sovereign plan. You know, you think of it in your own life. There are and will come to us sad days indeed, and at the same time we know that God has allowed them as he's working things all together for the good, all things together for the good for those that love him. This is a sad day indeed, and yet it's inside the plan of God. It's not wasted. It's a bad decision, and yet God can redeem bad decisions. And it's interesting as we see this because all throughout the Bible you see a distinction between the human side of things and the divine side. The human side is what we most often see. Because why? We're humans. We look at the world, we see it from what we see in front of us, and the human side is very obvious. The human side of this is that God uses the wavering of a politician to accomplish his will. That's the human side. We're looking at this, and Pilate, he has no backbone. He has the ability to release from his leadership. He can release Jesus at this time, and yet he chooses not to. He caves into the people. And from the human side, a politician is used, which is a reminder to us is not that we are, like the Bible says, to pray for those that are our leaders. Uh, For example, our president or our governor or our mayor or whoever might be in leadership, God tells us to be praying for those in leadership, whether we like them or not, whether we agree with their particular political party or not. Why? Because even like Pilate, because there was a group that didn't agree with Pilate here. It was the followers of Jesus. But even with Pilate making the wrong decision for the wrong reasons for his own political gain, God still uses those in office. As a matter of fact, as you read the scriptures, it says that those that are in public office, those that are in those positions of authority have been placed there by God. No matter whether you agree. We, you know, we lower the sovereignty of God now back to, down to our opinions and whether we like somebody or not. And, and instead of seeing things in the spiritual realm, we so often see things in the political realm and the Lord would just have you to flip that around and say, no, no, look at things with a divine... Don't, don't look at things just that are seen, but look to the things that are unseen and what the Lord is doing and how you might be involved in order to influence leadership uh, through your voting and through all the things that we can do. But from the human side, this wishy-washy lack of a backbone. You see, Pilate was afraid of losing his position. And when you're afraid of losing your positions, you make a political decision to protect your power. 
From the divine side, though, understand that Jesus Christ was crucified from the foundation of the world. We see that in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, and many other places, that Jesus is referred to as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This was the cup that Jesus was to drink, the wrath of God coming upon him for the forgiveness of sins. So you see both sides, and God uses them. Now, pick up with verse 1 of chapter 19. We have a goal today to cover 11 verses, and I believe we'll make it. Verse 1. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Circle the word scourged, and right next to it, severely beat. Uh, That's what's happening. He's being severely beaten, and I'll explain that to you in a moment. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. No question to this whatsoever that Jesus endured tremendous beating and pain on your behalf and mine. He was clearly innocent, and yet treated it as though he was guilty and a sinful man. He was slapped in the face and spit upon The leaders hit him. Those around him mocked him and made fun of him. They they scourged him. Now, if you're ever with us on our Good Friday service, this is the the section that we spend, this is all the time that we spend on the scourging and the crucifixion. The scourging. We don't use that word very much anymore. Let me describe to you what a Roman scourging was from one of the commentaries. I think he puts it the best. William Barclay, he writes this. Roman scourging was a terrible torture. The victim was stripped, his hands were tied behind him, and he was tied to a post with his back bent double, which conveniently exposed his back to the lash. The lash itself was a long leather thong studded at intervals with sharpened pieces of bone and pellets of lead. Such scourging always preceded crucifixion and it reduced the naked body to strips of raw flesh and inflamed and bleeding sores. Men died under it, and men lost their minds under it, and a few remained conscious to the very end. They they beat a man with two Roman soldiers on either side with his back exposed with his cat of nine tails, which would be those leather strips attached to a stick, and with full force they would take turns beating the victim. And the intention was not only to torture and bring great pain, but to elicit a confession so that they could still mete out uh, the punishment, but also say that the person was guilty and he confessed it. Now, most people, most men, died under scourging. They never made it to crucifixion. They died through this beating. And yet the Bible says that Jesus endured it all to the very end. And if you wanted some homework today, next couple days, I would encourage you to read through Isaiah 53, in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, because God prophesied and predicted this is exactly what would happen. No surprise. And we know that according to the fall in Genesis, that sin brought thorns and thistles into this world. And now that sin brought these thorns, this this crown of thorns, being twisted brutally into the head of Jesus Christ, who is innocent of all sin. Don't get in your mind the little thorns on the rose bushes that we have today, but rather two, three-inch, very thick, wrapped around, and then twisted into the head 
of its victim here in our Jesus, mocking him as the king of the Jews. Verse 4, Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Now, if Pilate was a man of integrity, it would be at this moment that he would release Jesus if he found no fault in him. But rather, he's playing to the crowd. Notice verse 5. Jesus comes out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold, behold the man. And I believe at this point in the life of Jesus, he doesn't look anything like you would expect him to look. Like he was unrecognizable. He was unrecognizable. He was beaten so bad that you could hardly even recognize that he was a human. The Bible says, jotted down in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, prophesying of this beating. It says, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Now, of course, we don't use those words anymore. We don't refer to people as, hey, how's your visage doing? Your visage looks a little down today. So let's put it into common day language. I think the New Living Translation puts it best. Many were amazed when they saw him beaten and bloodied, so disfigured, one could scarcely know he was a person. And so by this time, Jesus was so badly beaten, swollen, and bloodied that Pilate presents him to the people and saying, well, here's your man. Is this not enough for you? He endured the scourging. Is this enough? Is the implication. Wanting to get out of, having to make the hard decision. Again, we focus on this man by the name of Pilate, who I conclude is heartless and spineless and unable to take a stand for what is right, fearful of the consequences. He's trying to get out from under his responsibility. He's trying to work something out with the people so that, as the world might call it today, it might be a win-win situation. The Jews get what they want because now Jesus has been beaten for his supposed crimes, although he's innocent. And Pilate will get what he wants so that he can stay in power and there won't be a, a group of Jews under his leadership mad at him. But sometimes in life, friends, it's not a win-win. Sometimes in life, you need to take a stand for righteousness no matter the consequences. You need to learn that truth is more important than compromise. And our choices are so vital in this area. Pilate's the kind of guy that's always trying to work a deal, always trying to make things work, always trying to appease. And let me just say this. It is always easier to compromise your decisions and your faith when you're listening to the crowds, when you're listening to man. Many times we find ourselves in situations, don't we, where we're tempted to compromise what we know to be right because of the crowd, because of the group, because of those we work with, because of the pressure of our family, because of a few new friends, or even the church environment that we're in. We're put to the test with these choices, and because of the crowd, because of the pressure. You know, we often talk about peer pressure, and almost immediately when I use that phrase, peer pressure, you're thinking of the kids and the teenagers, perhaps, where they've got all this pressure in their life, and indeed they do. But it doesn't end when you graduate high school. (laughs) Peer pressure is with us to the very end. The Bible puts it this way in Romans chapter 12. The Bible says, be careful that you don't be conformed to this world. 
that the world doesn't conform you, or in the Phillips translation in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it warns us to not allow the world to press us into its mold. And the more that the world and people influence us, the more tempted we will be to compromise our faith and to compromise when the hard decisions need to be made. And we become like Pilate, listening to the crowd. And I'll tell you, when you listen to the crowd, the crowd almost always wins. As we find ourselves caving under the pressure, it certainly would happen here. It's described in Luke chapter 23, verse 23, this way. But when they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified, the voices of these men of the chief priest prevailed. They prevailed. So often in our lives, the voices of people tend to prevail. We pull back. We step out. We compromise. I want to show you something in your Bibles. Would you turn over to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, please? This is so important that we learn and be reminded of this truth as we watch what it's done to Jesus Christ. Pilate is a living example in the Bible for us of a person living out exactly what Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 teaches us. You see it with Pilate, and you may see it in your own lives. But here in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, notice with me, the fear of man brings a snare. Or we might use the word trap. The fear of man brings a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. When you fear man and what man thinks and what you're going to get or not get with man, when when we fear man, we are trapped with that fear. But whoever trusts in the Lord is in a safe place. Even if circumstances are all around, that, that that temptation to compromise in this or compromise in that, maybe it's an illegality issue. And you know, maybe if I just break the law a little bit, well, don't break the law at all. Take a stand for righteousness. Or it's that temptation whether I should share the truth or not. But if I share the truth, they might, well, don't, don't compromise in not sharing. Just go ahead and share the truth and trust in the Lord and you'll be safe. But when you and I fear man... Well, we're going to find ourselves trapped by that fear. And men will prevail in our lives. And we'll find ourselves making bad decisions and bad choices that will lead to nothing good in our lives. Those of you that are more prone, those that are more prone to fearing man would be what we call today people that that see themselves as people pleasers. Now, I'm not going to ask for you to raise your hand if you are such a person. But if you are, you already know. You know how hard it is for you sometimes because you just want to make people happy and you just want to bring peace and you just want to try to calm everything down, which are great attributes to have. We need more of that in this conflicting world that we're in. However, it crosses a line, so easily crosses a line to where you're just trying to please people and you yourself are compromising your own faith for the sake of pleasing people and you find yourself trapped, don't you? So many times by what people think about you. That's what you're worried about what people think. To stand up for what is right in this world, we're going to have to fear God and not man. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, we're instructed to not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, Moses is telling the children of Israel. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. 
Did you know that you can't have everyone in your life like you? <laughs> Did you know that? Not everyone is going to like you. There are different levels of people liking you to, you have really close people that like you, and then you have people that don't like you at all. And there are some people in this world that no matter what you do and how hard you try, they still won't like you. And even if you've done nothing wrong, they won't like you. Jesus put it this way in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 26. What sorrows await you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised the false prophets. And in the New King James, it says, Woe to you when all men speak, e- speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. There are people even right now that are speaking well of you to manipulate you and use you. And as soon as you stop fulfilling what they want out of your life, they'll turn on you in a second and their true colors will be revealed. And that's a sad day. But there are those times when you cooperated with that and you feared man. And it's just not from the Lord for us to live our lives like that. It's from the Lord for us to live our lives fearing God because it's a lot easier to please God than it is to please man. Can I get an amen to that? I think you need to feel that in your gut and in your heart. It's a lot easier and, and, and it's so frustrating to try to please everybody. It just doesn't work. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, uh, we, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Well-pleasing to Him. That's the key. We want to be well-pleasing to the Lord. And we hope that's your heart's desire, to be well-pleasing to the Lord. This is Abounding Grace, and we're in a study of John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today's message can be heard again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, you encouraged us to make our choices wisely today, but let's say someone listening right now is looking back on a series of very bad decisions in their life, and they're facing the consequences. What would you say to them as we close? I have to say looking back is a real dangerous thing and we should do it extremely briefly. The Bible says that we're looking forward and looking upward to the calling of Christ Jesus in the Lord and we want to continue to look forward. I like to share with our church, you know, the windshield is much larger than the rearview mirror. So we looking forward through the windshield of our car, occasionally looking back And, you know, I can look back long enough to find many things that I regret, many things like like it's the the old phrase, if we knew then what we knew now, then we wouldn't make those decisions. Isn't that the truth? But the past is the past, and we need to trust it to the Lord. We know we would have made different decisions, but we don't control that. What we control is today. Jesus has always taught us to look to today, to abide today, to live today. So let's obey him. Let's look to the day. Let's cast our cares and concerns upon him. He cares for us. And then I'm going to ask you guys, pray for me. Pray for us. Along with the sister here, Kathy, we are finishing up the edits on a brand new book that deals with the past. We haven't titled it yet, but it was a series of Bible studies I taught not too long ago on the past. We've put it into book form. We are in the final edits. So please, please pray for us. We hope to have it out at the beginning of the year, and it will address this question in much deeper way. 
Thanks. We look forward to that book coming out here very shortly, and we'll let you know when it's available. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. Help us finish the year strong. To make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into the Gospel of John next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.